Do better. Welcome to Do Better Podcast, a digital content hub from Asade, built for minds interested in doing better. Knowledge ideas, perspectives, and research insights on topics that matter. Business advice for better decisions and growth. Latest on the world of innovation and ideas. A look inside a global world beyond borders and an open view on social challenges. You can leave your comments and suggestions on dobetter.isade.edu. Hello and welcome. My name is Davide Rovera. I am the manager of eWorks, the venture creation program that we run for the Azad Entrepreneurship Institute and I'm also an entrepreneurship lecturer. I'm here today with Sophie Van Gogh, um, entrepreneur and alumna of the full-time MBA class of 2019. Hi, Sophie, and thanks for being with us. Hello, Davide. Thanks for the invite. So today we're going to talk about um, diversity and inclusion in the workplace. And I will say, let's start straight from there. So what's the name of your company and what does it do? Yes. So the name of my company is Moonshot, Moonshot Diversity and Inclusion. And we do analytics, uh, strategy and training to help companies become more diverse and inclusive. Fantastic. Maybe before getting into uh, how the companies actually work and, and what do you do? Maybe let's take one step back and see uh, how did you get the idea and how was the company and the project developed? Yeah. So um, before I joined ISADA, I was working in uh, management consulting in Amsterdam, where I'm from. And I was working with the, the Boston Consulting Group. And there in my office, there were 25 uh, partners and there was only one woman. Uh, and I was a little bit uh, confused about that. Like the Netherlands is quite an equal country mm -hmm. and back in school and university, I always saw like a lot of talented women. Like they were like the ones with the highest grades and loudest voice and in the class and everything. So I was a little bit puzzled when I started working and I saw this and I started asking a lot of questions about it. I asked like my managers and my peers, like, why don't you have more women in leadership? And they were like, yeah, yeah, it's very complicated. Yeah, yeah, we want to change it. I was like, well, let's do something. So I started to research a lot about this topic and I did an internal project about it before mm -hmm. my MBA. And then when I did the MBA, I was like, wow, I really want to change this. Like the more I started to learn about it, the more frustrated I got and the more I wanted to, to do something. And then I did this entrepreneurship class with uh, you and uh, Jan, another professor. And Jan was like, yeah, just start a company. Don't worry about the business plan. You should just go and start and try to sell something. And I was like, okay, I like a <laughs> challenge. So yep. I decided to do it. And during the MBA, I'd already focused a lot on this topic. So I was the president of the Women in Business Club. And then I just used the context to network a lot. And uh, before I know it, knew it, we had like uh, sold the project to uh, Volkswagen. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, oh my God, this is getting real. <laughs> like, uh, we should do something. Like, uh, and then actually, I kind of accidentally founded the company during the MBA. And since then, that's two years ago. So since then, I've, of course, become much more professional and grown a lot. And uh, acquired new clients, but uh, that's how my uh, fascination for the topic started. Fantastic. No, so you got the original idea even before the MBA. That was something yeah. that you experienced on your own. And then during the MBA, you got entrepreneurship classes that probably pushed you a bit towards building your own business. Yes. Um, was there any additional support that, that you got maybe from Azada during that 
time that helped you shape the idea a bit more? Yeah, yeah. first there was my career advisor, uh, Francisca, in the first week of the MBA, I think she said like, yeah, I used this time really to, to explore it. And I was like, because it wasn't my idea to start a company because I was sponsored for my MBA. So mm-hmm. I was supposed to go back to my old job. So I was like, okay, an MBA is nice. It's going to be like kind of a very big vacation where I study a little bit. But she said like, yeah, use this time, take every opportunity. And I really took that advice to heart. So I did the Women in Business Club and then I did the Accelerator program again mm-hmm. with you and Jan during the summer. And that was really good because then there was like some external pushes of saying like, okay, what did you achieve? How many uh, clients did you get? Mm-hmm. And also talking to other uh, entrepreneurs and classmates that helped a lot as well. So then I also, for me, it was good because the MBA became like a kind of a, also the deadline of the MBA. I was right. like, okay, by the end, either <laughs> I have this company and it works and I can do it or it doesn't. And I go back to my old job, which I didn't want to. So <laughs> it was some good pressure. <laughs> Yeah, no, having a deadline helps really pushing forward and and driving the result. Yes. Then I will say, I think what's interesting here is to explain a bit more. So maybe first of all, about the issue itself, no? So diversity and inclusion is not only about the number of women in the workplace, right? So can you elaborate a bit more on that? Yeah. Uh, No, that's true. And in general, diversity, so my company started a lot with gender, but now more and more it's diversity and also talking a lot about race ethnicity but also there's for example age disability which are important um, aspects uh, and a lot of companies as you say they focus on this getting a percentage of women or getting a percentage of people who are, um, of color into the company um, but then they forget about the inclusion part and then what usually happens is after one or two years, these people who are like different from the majority, they don't feel at home and they leave again. And everyone is like, oh, you see, yeah, it's really difficult. And like, uh, that's only right. confirmed and nothing changes. So companies uh, are trying to, to hit a quota basically. No? So they say, okay, somehow yes. somebody puts a quota and they try to hit that quota, but then there is not, if I understand correctly, there's not, a, let's say a proactive effort for inclusions once people are hired in the company exactly but that's also a difficult part because on the other hand there are some companies now who say oh we just focus on inclusion and diversity will follow but it's a little bit hard to focus on inclusion when everyone is the same like usually everyone will mm-hmm. feel included so you need to do both at the same time so you need to get people who are different into the company and then at the same time work on the culture Mm-hmm. And you can only work on changing the culture, I think, if you get more different people inside. And then there's a challenge that usually when they hire new people, uh, like, for example, a company with only men, they want to hire more women, they get them in, but only at the lowest level. So they are, and they are different, like they are the only women and they are the least experienced and the youngest. Mm-hmm. So it's very difficult for them to change the culture. So yeah, these are some challenges that I'm working with uh, every day. <laughs> right. And then I think, no, let's maybe then jump to what is your solution? So what does Muncha Diversity and Inclusion actually do to help tackle these issues? Yes. Uh, it's a good question because <laughs> the solution is still something uh, well, I'm working on every day, but there are some different aspects. So the first is really analytics, because I noticed that a lot of people, basically everyone has an opinion about this topic, but no one really 
understands it and measures it. Sorry, you mean so, inside a company right here? Inside or, or an institution, yeah. right? So you say, okay, everybody has a different opinion, but then the data is not measured really well. Exactly. So everyone, like the CEO says, yeah, we want women, but they always, uh, we hire them, but they always leave at a certain age when they want to have children. And other people say like, oh no, it's not even possible to get women because they don't study this topic that we hire, or they don't go to this university that we hire people from. So everyone has a lot of hypotheses mm -hmm. and assumptions. So in the first phase, what I do is really gathering those insights and also gathering insights on the company culture. So interviewing people, surveys, and then comparing the hypotheses of people to actually their data, their own data. And some people are surprised because they are like, yeah, but it's the internal company data. They should know, right? Right. Uh, but most companies, even big companies, they don't measure this kind of thing. So they don't look at uh, gender balance or ethnicity in the numbers of people they hire, people they fire, they promote. And for example, measuring the pay gap. Uh, it's something a lot of companies don't do. So this is what we offer to really give the insight. And then usually the insight is that <laughs> there are some, a lot of inequality and the companies want to change it, but we make it like more specific and mm -hmm. really show them these are the issues you need to work on. Then the next step is we help them build solutions or strategies to attack this. So it could be like, okay, uh, you don't get any diversity into your recruiting pipeline. So you need to diversify your um your pipeline, your talent mm -hmm. pipeline. So for example, it could be get to other networks, but also change the text of your, um, of your job mm -hmm. ads. It could be something in the recruiting process that you have some hidden biases that makes it only select the same kind of people, even though you think you're very objective. And then the last part we do is training. And that's also, for example, an unconscious bias, really explain to people like, okay, even though you think you might be super objective and open-minded, everyone has these biases inside that make us sometimes um, tend to go to people that are more like us, be a little bit more favorable to them. And even though we think we have all these objective processes and checks and balances, there are always other things that um, come into place. So we explain this, but also during this training, we explain like issues of racism and sexism and then we discuss with people people share their own stories employees and uh, yeah to try to get the topic in the agenda in the corporate environment right because i mean there are two different uh layers now to this one is uh overall the internal let's say processes and biases and structure and that's in a way reactive so you can see okay look into the company, you validate hypotheses with data, no? which is also a real good application of the entrepreneurial mindset, which we're happy about. And then no, you say, okay, this is data. We can demonstrate that what you think, maybe it's right, maybe it's wrong, but then really have a um, tangible way to demonstrate what the situation is. And then maybe analyze now the panel and so on. But then there is also the, let's say, proactive part, no? which there is a lot of debate about. So a typical, let's say, comment that you hear from many companies is like, oh, but we don't have any diverse uh, people applying to the job position. So mm -hmm. what can we do? We can only select from what we have, right? And that's also more proactive. So do you also see companies really needing or asking for support into proactively diversifying the pool of applicants? Yes, definitely. Yeah, I saw an article once that was like, 
exactly touching upon this point and they said something like okay if you are a fisherman and you don't uh, get any fish to bite like do you complain that the fish are not good or are you going to change like your uh, strategy right. i was like yes that's what a lot of companies need because they're always complaining about the applicants and i'm like okay maybe you can do something because if you go to the universities at least in the netherlands it's a super diverse especially mm -hmm. in the big cities with people from all kinds of nationalities race ethnicity backgrounds gender etc mm -hmm. but you don't see them in a big uh, companies usually so that's what i tell them like you, get, you need to get to a wider audience you need to promote yourself and also during the application process we know that there are a lot of hidden biases like there's a lot of research that shows that someone with a foreign sounding name even with the same resume mm -hmm. has a lot uh, lower probability of getting invited for a job interview than someone with a dutch name i don't know right. if, if it's the same in spain but i'm afraid it is um so there are things you can do here you can make it anonymous you can do use like tools or technology to have people pass the first round of the job interview uh, so these are things we recommend and we help companies with. Yeah. Right. So you help them. And uh, I mean, now your company is relatively young, but uh, can you already maybe share a bit about the results of these uh, practices of this, you know, uh, support that you provide to companies? Yeah. Yes. Well, I think the first result is really <laughs> getting this topic on the agenda of management boards. So which are usually like a 50 year old uh, white man that suddenly start to speak very long about uh, sexism and racism and these kind of issues. I think that's one result. Um, the other is like, it, some things are a little bit hard to quantify and I'm still looking for that. So I cannot say like, okay, this company increased the number of uh, women by a lot of percentage points. But um, yeah, so we worked with big companies like, mm -hmm. um, DSM, Coca-Cola, Google, DeepMind, uh, some big law firms in the Netherlands, and Volkswagen. And, and maybe, I sorry, one question about that noise. So those companies are, are, are large organizations. So yeah. who do you talk to, actually? Is it, is it yeah. HR? Is it the board of director? Who, who is the, the right person to talk to? And who does initiate the dialogue? Is it yeah, so those are kind of two questions now. So do you approach companies? Do they approach you? And then inside a company, who's the right uh, stakeholder? To, yeah. To yeah. In the beginning, it was usually me <laughs> approaching the companies, telling them I think they need to do something about this. Now, more and more, they are approaching me because they know that I'm working on it and that they have an issue. And also, I think more and more, this becomes like a regular topic. A few years ago, when I approached this in BCG, they were like, oh, well, yeah, it's interesting. Maybe we should do something. And now you see that more and more it's on the news and more and more companies are becoming aware, aware of it. Mm -hmm. um, and to your second question, who is dealing with this? Usually it's a combination of HR and like uh, senior leadership. So, and I think it's very important that the CEO or someone very senior is involved and is committed to this because in the end that's the most important driver for change um so usually it's the person like sponsoring the project and then someone from hr is more executing it or uh, yeah okay okay no so it's a it's a bit of a mix but then you need the yeah. commitment let's say from the top management and yes. then you you need also the the hr let's say support to to implement it 
Yeah, and the question in the end, need... a lot. Is... Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Sorry. No, a lot in the end, like of changing uh, job application processes or promotion cycles, is like in their day-to-day -day business. So they really need to be involved. Right, and then so to me, the other question now is a little bit looking at the current situation. No, so we have a crisis coming in. Uh, overall, uh, economy slowdown at, at the very least. Yeah. How do you feel or, or do you know no, from your contact, from your operation, is this impacting uh, the situation? Because oftentimes, whenever a situation like this happens, well, the first thing that companies do is that they pull away budgets from, uh, from HR and for these sort of yeah. initiatives. So do you, are you seeing this and how do you foresee the future in the next couple of years? Yes. Yeah, I'm a little bit pessimistic, to be honest. Well, there are two sides. In general, I'm an optimistic person and I see that some companies, despite the crisis happening, they're still asking for projects, trainings, and focusing on it. So that's a positive thing. Um, and also now with all the Black Lives Matter protests, mm -hmm. that the topic is really on the agenda. And also that there's some kind of momentum of like, okay, are we going to go back to normal? Or should everything change after Corona crisis? And also things like working from home and more flexibility, they might have a very positive impact on inclusion and uh, women and caretakers on the other hand as you say like during a crisis budgets are under pressure and um, there was an article a few months ago already like why this crisis is a disaster for feminism so you see that uh, some inequality is only getting larger during a crisis because usually the people in these more flexible jobs and with less security they are women people of color and minorities they are like the, the most vulnerable in the labor market and that they will be hit hit the hardest mm -hmm. um so i'm a little bit pessimistic about that um yeah so, <laughs> so it's not a happy answer but <laughs> right but, but it's a bit of both no so in a way somehow yeah. the two let's say most uh, trending in a way topics that we are seeing at least in the western world so to say are really related on one side on an economic crisis coming in but then on the other side of actually facing the, the diversity issue so yeah. that places you in a very unique position probably yeah. in which to kind of trying to, to ride the wave in between somehow yeah no that's true and also i mean there's a lot of attention for the topic i feel also showing that this country is with female leaders are better dealing with the corona crisis i mean no one is really sure what's the cause and effect but there is attention for the topic and people are pushing it and the protests are good um, so now i hope that companies will listen to this and also when they need to reorganize or uh, restructure or change uh, positions that they will take this dimension into account into account and it could be a good way like i mean it's pretty sad that a lot of them have like uh, stopped hiring but i think we also discussed this before that it could be an opportunity for them to mm -hmm. kind of uh, clean up the employee base and make place for new talent and thereby diversify right no so yeah. in a way if managed correctly which is a big if but then yes. all crises could be an opportunity for 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 people and for companies to reinvent yeah. themselves right so if managed well and with the right support which hopefully you can provide with your company, yeah. then uh, this could be a way uh, for many companies, many organizations in general to reinvent themselves. Yeah. 
I agree. And and for some cases, you already see it like that working from home, something we all had to do in the last few months. Some companies are saying like, okay, we can keep on doing it forever or we will do it two or three times a week. So I think that are some positive aspects of the crisis. Uh, But yeah, we have to see later on also with budget cuts and when the real economic crisis will hit, I think in a few months, how it will go. Right. No. So again, I will say let let's hope uh, that uh, yeah. not only for you and for your project, of course, but overall, no, for for society at large, that budget will not uh, be cut on these projects, and so yeah. there will be a way to to you know keep reinventing and and keep going for for a better future. I will say this was super interesting. Maybe one last question, which is a bit of a double question, though. Uh, and that's uh, the following. So what would you recommend to a recent graduate, regardless of, you know, uh, their gender identification and their status, but if somebody's a recent graduate from university or from graduate school, they go uh, and look for a new job. Is there any early signs that they need to look at in terms of discriminatory policies or attitudes before accepting an offer or even after? Yeah. What should they look for? Yeah. So you mean if they are looking for an inclusive company, what should right. they look at? Yeah. Exactly. I think it's best to really look at how you experience the job interviews and even ask questions there. Because I think from the outside, most companies, especially big companies, they look very good because they always put very nice pictures on the website. They have a talk about the diversity. But it's only if you go in, you can really see what happens. So then you can ask them, like, hey, what's what does your leadership look like globally and locally? How diverse uh, is your leadership team? So asking uh, for real data, no, in terms of real bit, data. Exactly. What you do when, when you when you with your company go uh, exactly. do a consulting project, no? So really exactly. saying not, not opinions, but data. Exactly. Ask for data and also ask for specific data. So a lot of companies are good at saying, oh, we have 50% women. But then if you ask more, it turns out all of them are in HR or finance. And still there are a lot of departments without any women. So be specific and ask, like, be critical, ask some questions. And it could also be on, like, uh, salary data. Tell Mm -hmm. them, like, hey, are you committed to equal pay? And also during the negotiations, you can bring up this topic and say that you find it really important to be um, compensated and treated equally. Yeah, so I would look for data and and really ask people who work there and and different people also, because different people have completely different experiences um, and see if they are committed to this topic and not only talking about it, but really walking the talk. Right. And then I would say the other side of the no, uh, uh, of the coin, if you want. So, what about employers? Let no, um, probably our our listeners are more employers than than people looking for a job. So the question yeah. is, no, what should somebody do? Even if probably they think they have no problem, maybe there still is something. So, so what would you recommend to employers that want to have a critical look at their own company? Yeah, I would also say like really ask their employees and listen to them because what I usually see is that management has like a completely different perception, completely different life than their own employees. And usually when I talk to the employees, they are really shocked by the things they hear that happen there. So recently I, I was working with a country director of a company mm-hmm. in the Netherlands and he, said he had worked there for 20 years was a man and he said like okay recently i started talking to the women in my company and i'm sure that about 
half of them have experienced some kind of harassment or like negative situations mm -hmm. and we can say it happens in other countries or it only happens in the us but it happens like here in the netherlands in this building so i think the only way that leaders can find out about this and really know if they are doing well is talking to the employees listening and really being open and being vulnerable because a lot of leaders are like oh it doesn't happen here or oh i talked to someone from my team and they said it's fine no really be open and listen also to other voices that maybe you don't like so much what they will tell you right but so really listen and really do something like I see so many leaders, they are like, yeah, it's really important. And then they go back and they promote people or they appoint people. And again, they choose like 10 white men and everyone mm -hmm. else is like, hello, <laughs> you know, we are still here. So if you want to change it, like really do something like show, don't tell, I would say. Right. So, so first step is really kind of don't be blind, you know, try to, to look yes. uh, outside one's own blindness and really try exactly. to, to look for issues and ask and listen people yeah. and listen to the to the answers. Now, maybe anonymously, depending on the company, yeah. employees might not be willing not to, to share. Uh, and then second step is really just not let the data sit in, but really take action. Take action. Exactly. Right? And yeah. don't be I see a lot of people are like, oh, but it's so difficult. It's so complicated. We don't know how. Okay, like for a moment it's fine to do, but then you've asked to your employees, maybe you've read some things and like, it's not so difficult. Like every time you make a decision to hire someone, to fire someone, to promote someone, it's an opportunity to, to act and to show your commitment. And maybe it's a little bit more difficult, yeah, than doing it the way you were doing before. Maybe you have to look a little bit longer to, to fill a job, for example, uh, but, it's possible like there's enough talent and you just need to do it right and if not there is there are experts like you that can support in the process of course yes <laughs> happy to help fantastic so thank you sophie for your insight for sharing your story with us i will say all the best for keep your company growing and for helping contributing to, to a better future thank you very much and thanks everybody for listening and i'm looking forward to sharing more insights very soon Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you still want to learn more, remember, you can register on our platform, dobetter.asade.edu. That was all for today. Until next time, thank you. Do Better.